today is actually um, a really special opportunity for me to sit down with my longtime friend, my my personal trainer, coach, uh, and a really big influence in my life over the last 13 years, Ryan Hogan. Ryan, welcome. Oh, thanks, man. This is um, this is truly a great honor, to be honest, and for for so many reasons. But thanks for having me, man. I'm I'm excited and nervous. I don't yeah. like to talk. Yeah, I, myself at all, but that's I, okay. I know. Well, I'm going to help you out because you're going to talk a little bit about you know some of the things that are important to both of us, which is how we mm -hmm. how we can help people. And you know, you've obviously been instrumental in in helping me. And you know, one of the things that I've wanted to offer to people that listen to Overcome Out Loud, despite all the incredible stories we've had from people that have overcome adversity, challenge, and change in their lives, are some of the mindset and the skills and the things that we can do to overcome those resistances. And, and you've had a front row seat to being a part of that for me in, in many ways beyond just my, my own physical health and well-being, but, but also th as, a, as a person I've relied on you know, regularly for emotional support through all the things that I've been through from early recovery to overcoming you know, what was a significant resistance to getting in shape and how that could serve me. Um, just by way of introduction, uh, Ryan is... 42 years old. He is the owner of Human Hybrid Athletics. He is a ultra marathon runner, which means that he runs further than most of us like to even fucking drive in our cars, which I find to be am amazing. He likes that joke. He's not it's the classic. first time he's heard it. Classic. Um, but he hasn't always been that. You know, one of the things that I admire about Ryan is I talk about success in people's lives, and, and, and Ryan is an amazing husband. He's a really, really passionate. Um, father uh, and a really good father to, to two young boys and I admire everything about you I mean playing from top to bottom and one of the things that I love about Ryan which you'll hear me often talk about is how he has achieved success in his life you know Ryan went to California State University Northridge he majored in kinesiology and when he graduated believe it or not the job of trainer for the Los Angeles Lakers was taken. I mean, as much as he thought that that would be his path, that that job was taken. So what Ryan did was because he had a passion for training people, he started to train just one person. And, you know, that's led to a series of events in his life, following his passion, following his purpose, you know, without getting destination disease. And, and if I were to tell you what Ryan has gone through, because human hybrid athletics today, in my opinion, is one of the most collaborative human fit, human training and fitness centers in our area. Ryan collaborates with, you know, several other trainers who share his passion for training on their own style. But but Ryan got there through a series of events. You know, he worked at Costco. He trained people, you know, in parks. He trained people, you know, in fields. He trained people at other people's gyms until he developed the skills that he wanted to incorporate into his own form of training. And he worked for other people and saw what worked and didn't work. And then he started his own fitness center, you know, human hybrid athletics with a partner. And then that partner decided to do other things. And Ryan had to, to buy that partner out and then, you know, create a vision. And, and all of those things have led him to be a father, uh, to pursue his passions. And, you know, he's gradually gone from, you know, training one person in a park to, to owning his own business. And we're going to talk about what that's been like. And, and Ryan, you know, maybe as a way of starting, can you maybe just share with the people that, that, that are listening kind of where you got your start? I know you were born in, in, in Canada. You're a uh, a brother to two other two other incredible guys, Sean and uh, and Kevin, and you know, tell us a little bit about the beginning for you. Yeah, no, thank you for the uh, for the intro. A, a lot of times when you talk about me, it makes me realize like, wow, you know, you've you've brought that light to me. I I, I don't think about it too often, but um, I have over the last few years when you've um, 
you know, talked about me in that way. So thank you very much. Cause I don't think that way at all. I take one day at a time. I just move forward. But, um, yeah, so we, we came 1990, 91, uh, moved from Canada and that was the culture shock of my life. And still to this day, it is kind of that way. I actually didn't really become truly comfortable with where we were probably till high school. Um, but I mean, coming from Toronto area, Canada, moving to Southern California was an absolute fantasy to me, a complete and utter fantasy. I remember the morning waking up cause we, we flew in at night and I hadn't really seen what was around and, um, and actually that, that morning along with some other things plays a big part of what I do now with, with my running. But, um, I remember waking up and just being, and literally opening the window. Number one, it was hot as hell out, but um, just seeing the mountains there and being, holy shit, we are here. Like we are actually moving to California. Like we said we were going to do. I didn't really believe it up until then. Um, so that was a culture shock. And I had a great summer. Me and my, my oldest brother, Sean, were, were the only ones here with my dad. So we played golf every day because my dad had to go to work. So he dropped us off at the golf course and we played every single day, five days a week. And it was the best time ever. Um, and got to spend time with my oldest brother or my older brother. And we just had the great, the, the best summer ever. I can't, I can't even imagine anything better than playing golf five days a week when you're 11 years old, 10 or 11 years old. But, um, school started and I freaked out and I was just sixth grade. Here we are. No, nobody classrooms are outside. Everything is weird. It's hot. Everything was just so uncomfortable. I remember thinking, but, um, as things moved on, I, I grew to love it here and my family was here now. And, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of started to come into my own around high school. I was always good at sports, if you will. I just picked it up and that's kind of where I just found my comfort zone. Immediately went to the basketball court and started playing. And that's how I made my friends. Um, no other way about it. Hockey was not an option. We moved to Southern <laughs> California and I remember the day my dad told me it's probably not going to happen anymore. And I ran to my room and cried. I didn't really realize how much I loved it at the time. And, but yeah, that, that was it. And that was a quick, quick switch. And immediately basketball was my thing. And, um, so it, it was always around athletics was around and, um, that was just what I did. I just was always doing something, playing basketball, playing sports. It's how I made my friends and, and then carried that into what I'm doing now, basically. But, um, in terms of what I do now, yeah, that's, that's an interesting one, man. I, I can't, I didn't imagine where I'm at now. And you mentioned how collaborative things are with the business. I, I remember being asked, um, in, in the second location of the gym, um, we, I had somebody come in, she did a, a little workshop kind of that, that was her, that was her business. She helped businesses and people and life coach. And I said, great, come on in. And about five or six of us showed up and she did an exercise where you had to partner up with somebody and you had to speak out loud with where you see your business or yourself, um, you know, four or five years from now, or your, your absolute dream situation for your business. And I remember getting partnered up with her husband at the time. And he said, go ahead, just, just speak what you think. And I froze. I couldn't say anything. So I really hadn't developed with where I was headed yet. But, you know, he kind of opened things up a little bit. And next thing you know, I just opened up. I said, you know what? I've walked into the door. The music's playing. There's other trainers in there with their clients. We're all laughing. We're having a good time. You know, my clients are loving it. We're, people are hanging out. They're training. But it's also a place to come together. So in all honesty that dream has come true in a lot of ways 
Um, and uh, you're, you're a huge part of it. So I remember speaking out loud and it took me a, a couple minutes to, to say it. But every day I walk in, you know, every day. And that was almost lost this past year. But, um, yeah, that was uh, that was kind of the first time I really spoke out loud about what I really wanted um, for for my business. And so, yeah. Yeah, that's um, the reason that, that both Ryan and I are a little emotional over that revelation is because that is fucking exactly how his business is today. Music playing, trainers training their clients, his clients enjoying the atmosphere, people hanging out. We'll talk a little bit about your resilience because, you know, I, I, what's not lost on me is something that I've always known about you. And I want to go back to your love of hockey. And you love, you grew up in Canada and you loved hockey. Mm-hmm. And hockey was a sport. You played with other kids. You grew up playing it. And it was, uh, it was you know, it's a fucking national pastime in Canada. I mean, you grow up, you probably get born with skates on. I don't know how it is up there, but I know a few people from Canada. Mm-hmm. And, and you saw the loss of that passion of yours and yeah. everything that went with it. And, and, and you went back to your room and, and you cried. You mourned the loss of that. You realized that you were going to be in California where hockey was not as popular and it was sunny and there wasn't a lot of ice. And what I love about what you said is you recognized that it wasn't going to be the same. You didn't deny the fact that you were upset about it, but then you followed the next right action for you, which wasn't to sit and, and mourn or become distracted with unhealthy things. You said, what's the next sport I can play? What's the next thing that looks like this, you know, where I can find the opportunity to grow? And mm-hmm. you ended up on the basketball court. And I, you know, I want people to really understand that we all go through these pivotal changes where we, we think what we love or, or what we actually do love you know, can be quote unquote taken from us. And somehow that's going to be a loss that we can't replace, but you made it a, a, a great mission of yours to replace that with another sport. And and then you found kind of the same things in basketball that you had in hockey. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Basketball from sixth grade on was, was what I did. I mean, I, for whatever reason, I played a little bit as a kid up in Canada, but that was just cause you know, hockey season was over or whatever. But um, like I said, I never got to, you know, I wasn't a great player when I was a kid. I just loved to play. I just, that was my thing. And I thought that's what we would do when we came down here. And, but yeah, now that you mention it, it was just kind of like, geez, okay, I guess I'm not playing that anymore. And I got to figure something out because, you know, I guess just as kids, we're resilient by nature. We're resilient by nature. We just kind of figure things out. And basketball was the next thing. And I played basketball for many years, loved it. Um, and, and, just played, played my heart out, you know, up until high school and, you know, never played in college, but continued to play and, and just loved it. But, um, yeah, yeah, that was, that was just a quick switch uh, on at a very young age when I had to, cause I, I don't think I had a choice. I mean, I was really uncomfortable, like school, walking to school, new environment. I just needed something, man. I needed something to, to, to latch onto, you know, our whole family wasn't down yet my mom was still up in Canada my oldest brother was still up in Canada and I was we were just figuring our own thing and I guess you know kind of a sign of the times that's just what we did back then we just had to figure it out on our own my dad was working my brother was older he couldn't take care of me 24 7 so um and I think that's a little bit of of what I do now is like I don't mind being alone doing my own thing I really don't um and I think that's part of where it comes from and I'm I'm thankful for it I'm thankful for that quality just to I don't mind figuring things out on my own. You know, I really don't. Yeah, and that's so. a that's a sign of resilience. And and look, you know, 
this is what I always really want to emphasize for people is that choice, you know, because when you lose something, whatever it is in your life, whether it's a relationship or a job, um, you know, or a loved one or a, or a skill or a position, you know, you have a choice, mm -hmm. you know, as to how you, what lens do you want to see that through? And, right. and there's a lens that could mean that, you know, my life's over or there's a lens, which is my life is just beginning. You know, every, every real end is not an end. It's really just a beginning of something new. And we get to choose what that beginning looks like. I mean, there's many kids, you know, and again, this is, this is the lesson that comes out of your story is there's many kids who, who faced and including myself, depending on, you know, the environment they grew up with, who see that as an opportunity to cope with that unease and that discomfort with unhealthy behavior. Right. And so when we choose the behavior, we choose the consequence and, you know, you can build resilience. And by the way, you can do this at any time in your life. You happen sure. to have done it at, in sixth grade, but you know, I had to do it at 42, right? I mean, I, I was choosing unhealthy behaviors and getting unhealthy consequences and you helped me amongst other people choose different behaviors and get different consequences. Once I, you know, kind of took ownership of those decisions and, you know, it served you well because, you know, as your athletic prowess, and I want to talk about there's two parts to you that, that there's lots of parts of you that I love, but two parts particular about your story that are incredible is one, your own personal belief in pushing yourself and, and trying new things and helping other people push through that resistance. So, you know, as much as you were a basketball player and, and I remember you used to play pickup, right? You still play pickup even, you know, as a dad and when oh you were gosh. married, you used to play pickup mm -hmm. quite a bit. And then, you know, you, uh, you rolled your ankle. Right. Yep. Yeah. That's and, where it and, ended. And, and <laughs> broke my ankle. Yeah. You broke your ankle. That's right. Yeah. And, and and that was a significant. That was a really significant injury to watch you go through because you'd not had that kind of physical setback to deal no. with. No, it, it, I've been lucky to not have have many injuries, and but that was probably the most important because because pre running, um, I was just your typical lift heavy lift for physique even, you know, back in my early twenties. And that's just what I did. I lifted heavy. I used to, you know, weigh 195, the whole thing. And that's what I love to do. And that's kind of where the strength and conditioning thing came in. And, you know, we got to get pigeonholed into this, this avenue of, of, you know, you're going to lift heavy, you're going to lift for strength, you're going to lift for power and you're going to train athletes and so on and so forth. And that's kind of where my mindset was when I first started like my training business, I was like, I really want to work with athletes. And, you know, my, my revelation came later on where, well, that's not who needs the most help. Athletes don't need the most help. We have a whole population of people, 99% of the population that needs more help than the athletes. They'll be just fine. That revelation came along later, but it probably wouldn't have come if I didn't break my ankle. Because I was still in that mode of playing basketball, try to become as athletic as you, as you can for as long as you can, lift heavy, look good, whatever it may be. Ankle gets broken. And all of a sudden I went on this new path, but it isn't really all of a sudden, as I mentioned, I think the other day when, uh, one of the clients was in there. So kind of backpedal a little bit, um, where I met you at the gym, uh, somebody gave me a book and this, this is important because I shoved this aside for 10 plus years. Somebody gave me a book and if you want, ever want to read it, it's, it's a popular book. If you talk to any ultra marathoner, they'll say, well, it all started with this book. And this is the book. It's called Ultra Marathon Man by D. Carnazis. He's still alive. And at the time, he wrote a book about how he went in. And it's an interesting story because he does have a story of drinking and, and not living a healthy lifestyle. And at 30, he just, I mean, literally his 30th birthday, he goes out and runs 30 miles out of nowhere and didn't stop and still hasn't stopped. So I read the book and went, wow, that's amazing, but this fucking guy's crazy. Like, psh, put it away. So somebody gave me that book, and I read it, 
it was kind of noodling around in my brain for literally 10 years plus. And I was getting some running in going, wow, this is really hard. Running is hard. So I'm just going to keep lifting heavy and playing <laughs> basketball because running is really hard. The only time I'm going to run is if it's up and down the court. Um, so stay, that noodled stay, around. Stay, stay in our comfort stay zone. Stay in the comfort zone, exactly. And every time I went out and run, I was like, wow, I'm really glad I did it, but maybe I'll save that for two weeks. And um, so fast forward, yeah, playing this basketball game and roll my ankle. I think it's rolled. And I had just started running, if you remember, yep. uh, dabbling in it. I mean, just doing really stupid stuff, kind of just running the roads, not really – paying much attention to it. And I rolled my ankle and then to rehab it, I did my rehab on my own as well as some help. I wanted to get back into the running that I had started doing, but every time I ran on the roads, it was just hurting. I just couldn't last more than 15 minutes. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go for hikes. You know, I'll just go out in the mountains. I like it out there anyways. And all of a sudden I would run and I realized this doesn't hurt at all. Not like not even a little bit. I can last probably half an hour before even a little bit comes on. Well, that's because the change in terrain helps with that. It's not the same step over and over again. So it was actually helping with strengthening my ankle as well as building up this enjoyment of just being alone, disconnected, you know, having my mind concentrating on what my body is doing in that moment in time. And all of a sudden the healing process went on and I go, wow, this is, this is what it is. This is what Dean was talking about. This adventure, the adventure of the run and how it's, um, how it can help your mind and your soul and your emotions, keep things in check. So I went back and read it again. And all of a sudden I was in, I, I was in, I was, I was hooked and I had to laugh because I kept that book for some reason. So fast forward and, you know, maybe getting the running later, but fast forward, uh, the person who gets the book walks into my gym, um, what, a year and a half ago, two years. And I immediately start laughing. I'm like, I have a bone to pick with you because <laughs> all this pain I've been putting myself through is because of you. But you know, that's, you know, there's two sides to it. I can't thank her enough for doing that. And, you know, I returned the book cause it was actually her son's. Um, uh, but that's how it started there. It was just kind of noodled around and, um, but yeah, that was, that was a kind of a turning point into the life that I lead now. And one that I'm so thankful for because the running, I think now it changed my perspective to, to going, okay, I want everybody to lift heavy and look good and be to, to have more of a conscious feeling of just being healthy and happy. And I think that's where you've come in as well has taught me a lot of, well, you know, I can teach somebody to just be healthy on the physical side, but what about the mental side? What's surrounding that? Because I go and run. Yeah, it's for the physical and the conditioning because I train for races and whatnot. 90% of it is just to get away. I don't bring my phone with me. You know, I can go on a two, one, one to two hour run. I don't bring my phone. I leave it in the car, you know, unless I know I need to have it. But that is the main reason why I do it is just to get away. And, you know, if you're bringing your phone and your headphones out to the mountains, you're missing the point. Wow. You know, yeah, and that's, point. and I think, you know, what's, what's, you know, I often say what's not lost on me is this connection that I make for people between our beliefs and our behaviors and, you know, limiting beliefs, your beliefs about running and your experience with running were limited by your own mental dialogue okay. about this isn't for me, I'll, 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 to, to a different belief. And so when your limited mm -hmm. beliefs were in play, you didn't run that much. And when you did, you didn't enjoy it and you didn't continue. But when your beliefs changed to how it could actually fulfill and enjoy and expand your life, you became committed. Your beliefs changed and your behaviors, yeah. you know, just exponentially changed. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, when it comes to running, there's a, a story that I, 
I tell often, which you know, you you were obviously the the had front row seat for, and were instrumental in is when I, you know, I mean, I I checked in at about 250 pounds back in in 2008 after a, a lot of you know I'd come to the end of my rope with addiction and and substance abuse and have been making a lot of disempowering decisions and I quit drinking and and got sober and and then didn't deal with my health and so I blew, ballooned up to about 250 pounds. Well. We'll cut in a little a little clip of that so people can see the the Charlie the Charlie Brown the Great Pumpkin I'd become, <laughs> but it wasn't because I wasn't. I mean, we were working out still, right? So so yep. you know, I have been working out with Ryan for 13 years, three days a week, religiously, and I've gone from somebody who cancels workouts to becoming really consistent in my workouts. But we got to a point in around 2010 where I'd become, you know, kind of disappointed with the way that I was actually feeling physically, and you said to me then, you know you're going to have to do more. You know, you're here three days a week with me, but if you're going to really, if you really are committed to getting in shape, you're going to have to do cardio in your off days. You know, because I would come into the gym and, and we do our strength and conditioning and our stretching. And, you know, one of the things I've always loved about you is, is the and, and Ryan trains uh, everybody in our executive recovery program because of his emotional IQ and, and the way that he handles the and approaches physical wellness training is is really, you know, designed to, prevent injuries, improve performance and, and, and build us for the long term. But as so, so I'd never run before. And so he said, you know, you don't have to run, just, just go up to the, to the road and, and walk one fire hydrant and, and run another one and just do that for, you know, for, for 20, 30 minutes. And so I would go up to Agora road and I would want run from one fire hydrant to another. It's probably about a hundred yards. And then I would walk, you know, and then I would run too. And then I would walk. And, you know, it's funny to talk about ultra marathon because then I decided to set a goal. And once again, all of this has to do with beliefs and behaviors. This all has to do with is what I want consistent with what I do. And I think you remember when I signed up for the first turkey trot. We laugh about it now, but signing up for a turkey trot for me, which was a which was my first 5K I'd ever done. It was on Thanksgiving. Yeah. It was kind of a, a, a race that everybody does in Thousand Oaks. It was like the fucking Boston Marathon, <laughs> right? I mean, it was. I was anxious. I was training for See, I didn't it. Didn't know of this until you told me later. <laughs> I was training for it. I was nervous. I was like, "Am I going to finish it?" And you know, we we I ran for it, and and we sh Ryan showed up with me, and I went to the the turkey trot, and uh, and lo and behold, Ryan, you know, obviously finished really fast, and then he came back for me, you know, and we ran, we finished it together, you know, and and. And because it was, I mean, that's just who you are. You know, you've been side by side with me through what you didn't even know was this really big challenge for me. And, you know, it's changed the trajectory of my life because we've done three, we did three Ragnars, right? We did, yeah. we've done three Ragnar relay races, yep. which are 200 plus mile relay races, you know, in teams of, of 12. And then we did one trail Ragnar mm -hmm. relay race, uh, which, you know, I, all of them I had the pleasure of doing with, with my daughter with us. Um, and then, and then we've done a, I've done a bunch of 10 Ks and I, and, and I trained for my first half marathon. And, mm -hmm. and today, you know, I'm a different version of myself as a result of the commitment you made to me, but what you taught me about consistency and, and, and doing those small, simple things regularly in order to achieve yeah. the results we want. And isn't that a lot of it for people, Ryan, that yeah. resistance? Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, like if you, when I talk to somebody about, let's just say running, cause that's, that's on the. Or, or whatever it is, or, or just even nutrition or making a change, people immediately, I think, go to the extreme of what they have to do um, instead of just thinking of the first step. You know, go, they, they immediately think of, well, that's going to take this long, and I have to do all this. I, it's not for me, you know, or with running. I'm not built that way. Well, marathon, I can't run a marathon. I never said you had to run a marathon. I'm just asking you to go one day a week or walk a little bit. Just get outside. Start there. 
right? And I think people just go to the the extreme of what they have to do rather than just focusing on, like you said, the consistency, the day-to-day habits, which could just be starting with going to the store and buying running shoes. You know, that could be the very first step. Um, and then just start walking 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, whatever it may be. Um, but the consistency has to be key. And, and whether that's the consistency of three days a week, doesn't have to be every day, three days a week for a month and then add a fourth day, whatever it may be, the consistency to get yourself in a routine to where you start to value that time, right? You actually started to value I did. your running yeah. or, or going to the fire hydrant. I mean, I remember after our work, it's like, see you later. I'm going to do my fire hydrants. So see you later. And I knew you'd go do it because I knew you had committed to it. You know, before, I don't know if I would have known that, but I knew you had put in enough work up until then where, yeah, Charlie runs. Like, I know you go run on Tuesday, Thursdays now. I just know you do it. And that's where you're at now. And that's that's where I, that's the difference between somebody who's put in the work consistently over many years. And I think that's where people go, whoa, it's going to be many years. Yeah, but just focus on today. Just focus on the on this week. Get this week under your belt. That way you could even see how it feels at the end of the week because what you may feel could be the greatest thing in the world because what you were doing before just wasn't working. You have to acknowledge that. You know, People sometimes have to just acknowledge that first. It's just not working. So yeah, it may not be my plan, but can't be that same plan you were doing. So I think just focusing on the first few steps is key and then working through consistency consistency through those for the for those first few steps is, is key but god that's so well that's so well said and by the way that goes for everything we've had to you know that i've overcome and and you know even with you overcoming and we're going to talk you know both not just about how you overcome the challenges of, of ultra marathon running but you know we're going to talk about you as a businessman because that i think has also been you know that these these concepts these these principles behind overcoming adversity challenge and change apply to everything in our life yeah. not just fitness not just health mm-hmm. but but our emotional and mental well-being mm-hmm. as well and you know that no matter if you're going through a job loss or a relationship loss you know with the right lens of the future and realizing that you can just take small simple steps you know i'm going to get up and eat right today it's like you know you go through a breakup and your tendency is i just want to sit here watch netflix and eat pizza and it's like yeah okay i, I mean I, I get you're sad but you know is that the healthy is that the healthiest thing you can do for yourself to, to overcome this? And that's when I love you and a lot of the people, a lot of my mentors, a lot of my, my coaches, a lot of the people that I work with, they talk about just setting the bar low. You know, you don't have to have this destination disease. You know, I got to lose 50 pounds. It's yeah. going to take me forever. It's like, no, just go for a walk today mm-hmm. um, or just send out a resume today, you know, or yeah. just eat right today or just like you always say, just drink half your body weight in water, you know, just hydrate today, these simple things. And, yeah. and, and they lead to big results because you know, as I said, we've had this consistent track record for a long time. And what is, you know, do you feel like going for a run every time you go for a run? No. Yeah, it's, I think people are surprised sometimes to hear that from people that, that excel in certain sports. It's like, you know, how often, you know, when we, even though we enjoy something, how often do we feel like doing what's good for us? And the answer is not all the time. I know I have to run today at 3 p.m. I would rather have gotten my run done for many reasons. It's going to be 90 out. And I would rather have done it in the morning when I was feeling a little fresh. Today, I'm going to have to run at 3 p.m. I know it's going to be hot, but that's going to last for probably the first two to three minutes before I'm good to go. And I think that's where people fail a lot of times. They don't even just go through that first little barrier of like, this sucks. And it's okay. You can have that. We all do. But I think once you push back or push through that a few times and you, you get used to that feeling of, yeah, 
it's going to suck, but it's going to feel amazing when I'm done, or it's going to feel amazing in 10 minutes, or it's going to feel amazing when I get over that hill because I know the view that I get to see over there or the whatever, you know, whatever it may be. It's just that first little barrier is usually the biggest for everyone and it lasts minutes, if not seconds, you know? So, yeah. So well said. I think it's Jim Rohn who's, 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 you know, a a big performance uh, mental conditioning and and mindset expert used to say that the pain of the pain of regret or the pain of discipline weighs ounces, the pain of regret weighs tons, you know, it's like that little, that little pain, those ounces of three minutes, you know, is, is all there is. But if you don't go for your run at three, you know, we we live with that disempowering feeling of regret, shame and guilt. And I should have, you know, and, 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 and that drains us. It drains all of us. Um, and so thank you for talking about those, those, those few minutes of, of pain to get to the other side of incredible growth. Well, it's interesting because the, the, that little time that people don't push through, the, the excuse for lack of a better word, will, that list will start to grow. Right At first, I can usually just use today, it's going to be a hot day, it might be a little unsafe. But if I try it again tomorrow, I could easily say, well, it's going to be a hot day and I'm a little dehydrated. I should probably. Then that list starts to grow. The, the excuse list of, you know, it's a little rainy outside. All of a sudden, now oh, my shoes are. It, it just starts to grow. And I think that's where people fall into a huge trap, whether that be, you know, I think last year we saw a ton of it, right? The, the list of people's excuse started to grow instantaneously. Um, and that was a sad thing to see for some people. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you can, if you can nip that in the butt right away, I think that's key. Yeah. So many things. One of my, one of my, uh, one of my trainers, uh, mental conditioning trainers, and and I I got certified in one of his classes, Jason Salk, who's worked with the St. Louis Cardinals and and he's a, an executive mental conditioning talk. He he says, you have to eliminate viable excuses because what you just described is a viable excuse, right? It's like, Oh, it is hot out and you shouldn't run when it's hot. And you can, you can spin a story any way you want, but but when you've made a commitment to something, you have to eliminate quote unquote viable excuses and have have no excuses. Right. You know, it's funny. I I work with a a young athlete who's, who's working on a whole bunch of things. And and this past week he's he's committed to read seven days a week, you know, wanted Mm -hmm. to improve his commitment and, he read five because he had to go down to a, a trip and, and work with one of his coaches on on some of the individual skill work that he was working on. And he came in to meet with me on Monday. He said, oh, I, I just I read five days this week because I forgot my book. And it's like, yeah, I get it. That sounds like a viable excuse. But, you know, Barnes and Noble's open. You know, how much do you spend in DoorDash? Could you have downloaded it on your phone? There's lots of things. If you're committed to something and you you'll ha- make it happen, you're going to make it happen. Make it happen and, and no matter that, what. And it was just a great and it, you know, for him, he, had, he just hadn't learned to think that way. Sure. You know, and, and, and I think that's one of the things that we can do, and you described it perfectly, is because when you create a viable excuse for not doing something that's really good for you, and, you know, in recovery people, you know, they'll, they'll have accountability groups that mm-hmm. they'll go to meetings with, or they have an accountability mentor that they'll be r- accountable for, or they have work that they need to do, you know, if they're in a 12-step program or any other recovery program, and it's like, Oh, you know, work's really busy, or you know, I, I I really have to get this proposal out, or you know, I just I, I didn't have I didn't I had a long I didn't sleep well last night. It's like mm-hmm. all those excuses add up to just more excuses. So I you you painted a really clear picture of that, and let's let's dive into um, business for a second because you know when I sit across from you, you, you and I went through 
the effects of COVID-19 and, and the pandemic that occurred personally and professionally mm -hmm. together side by side. And, yeah. you know, what I'll tell you is we never missed a day of training. We didn't, you know, and, and Ryan would come to my house. He would stand in the driveway when we were not allowed to be in the gym and I would be in the garage and he would bring sanitizer and he would train me and we would, we would work out three days a week, no matter where, no matter what, no matter when, because we didn't have any viable excuses. And what was interesting is, you know, for a lot of people in any business, it was like, this is when my clients need me the most, you know, to not, and, and I know you went through a lot of, and we, and we, we, I remember looking across you going, yeah, I just don't know. I don't know if I'm going to survive this, if this business is going to survive this because none of the trainers can come in. And there was a lot of things that were weighing on you yeah. and many of my other friends who are in the restaurant business, but you just kept training your clients. I mean, you, you, you stayed in the game. You didn't know how the game was going to end. You didn't know where the game was going to go. But in, in March of 2020, the game had changed. For know? sure. And you had to make a lot of, you know, decisions about what you were going to do. Can you, can you talk about what that was like for, for you and, and some of the things that you've applied, you know, from not being able to play hockey to playing basketball to not being able to play basketball to start running to mm -hmm. not being able to train and have your other you know, customers and other trainers into your gym that, you know, what was, what was the thing, you know, cause it, cause it's a pattern. I mean, it's a pattern of you figuring it out. Yeah. It's a pattern of you not quitting. That is uh, to my, in my view anyways, as I, as I look at you from my lens led you to how you dealt with that. Yeah. I think it's all of those things. I'll, I'll even add in one more, not to, you know, but, um, I started working full time practically, uh, when I was 15, I, I always joke around, like I haven't had a summer off since I was 15. You know, I've always worked. I've always had a job. Thankfully, you know, at first I got to admit, or actually I wouldn't even know if I ever complained about it because I remember saying, oh, I want to get my own car and I want to drive. Like we always say, you know, when we were kids, it was like we couldn't wait to get our license. Now kids can wait. They don't care. They can care less whether they get their license or not. I couldn't wait to get my license. And my dad was like, well, you got to start working. I was like, okay, whatever. And I remember he took me. <laughs> So my brother at the time and, and my brother and now uh, his wife, we were all, they were working at a hotel and he, he took me over and he put me in for an interview, obviously got hooked up with a job and I worked there for six years. So from 15 to 21, I worked there for six years and it was the best job ever. I love, I oh man, I think back and that was such a cool job. Working with my older brother, my sister-in-law and it's a hotel. It's great. Working banquets, weddings. So I was working. You know, that's just what I always did since I was 15. I didn't know any other way. All I knew was what if I wanted money to buy stuff, to pay bills, whatever they may be, I had to work. And that's just the habit I built up. And I didn't know I was building up a habit, but I now that I think back, I'm pretty grateful for it. So when this hit, yeah, that's all I knew. I didn't, I couldn't sit on a couch. I mean, I had my little pity party there for a couple of days because I think we all did at some point, but I knew any more than a couple of days is useless. It's useless to me and it's useless to you guys. So I needed to make a decision real quick. And I remember taking a deep breath on the couch. My wife asked me if I'm okay. And I said, yeah, I just need time to think. I need to figure this out because can't get into the gym. That's fine. But my clients still need me. There's no way I'm going to leave them alone. It's, this is ridiculous. Um, there's no way I'm going to believe that leaving my clients hanging for them to figure it out is a good solution to this. We'll figure it out. We'll go to a park. We'll do something. So that's what I did. I just made a decision. We did Zoom, came to your house. Thankfully, I loved it. We had a great time. I got great runs in by your house too, by the way. Trails, oh, yeah. trails I've never seen. So, um, But that's just where it started. And I think, honestly, when I, when I think about it, the, the running 
part has played a huge part in that in running ultra marathon. You got to figure it out because there are things that happen with COVID that happen during an ultra marathon. A lot of times you'll hear people say, and I've only attempted 100 miler, but you'll, you'll hear people say often in, in the span of an ultra, you'll go through a lifetime of, of emotions huh. just in that one day. Uh, one one minute you could be feeling great, the next minute you feel terrible, the next minute you're crying. I've done it all in the span of 60 miles. So it's like you're going through pain, all of a sudden your body resets and you're back to normal again. You can't figure out why, but that's just what happens. So you're dealing with all these things as you run along, and that can just happen even during an hour run. You know, you're running along great, all of a sudden this hill pops up, and it's like, well, I'd rather not have this hill here. <laughs> but <laughs> But it is. It's here. So... You know, even during the course of a race, you get to a, an aid station and you feel like crap and you want to quit. Okay, well, what are you going to do when you quit? You, they're not going to, are they going to hell evac you out of there? No, you have to either figure it out, keep going. And then usually when you keep going, you end up finishing. But 10 minutes ago, you were ready to quit. So all those things, I think, played a part in me making decisions along the way for my business. And all I knew is that I just had to make a decision that I felt was the right one in my gut. And, and, and not giving in was the right one. And that meant doing a Zoom class. Let's see how that goes. Give me feedback. How's it working out? Next thing you know, time has passed. We're starting to figure it out. And here we are now. We're, we're back. We're and back. Amazing. And I'm not going anywhere. No, you're not there's going, no we're, way we're not going anywhere there's no way and 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 had you ever done a zoom fitness class before N no <laughs> no um no but there was i i had been on zoom for other events and whatnot it I wasn't just, part of your business no no way no absolutely not that was the first time i had to jump online if you will but yeah. i knew i knew that was an option but you know it, it was fun yeah. you know i had people on like clockwork i still have somebody that i do Every every week, Facetime, and they're going to be ready to come back in soon. But it's it did, you know. Now I know what's possible is if somebody doesn't want to come in the gym, great, we'll do Zoom, we'll do whatever we need to do. So there's always a positive to a situation. That was one of the positives that we learned. We can still do these other options besides people coming into the gym, and when they're ready, they'll come back. Um, the gym was honestly a second thought to me. I I just wanted to take care of the people that have taken care of me for so many years. And people that I love, and I've I've seen I've seen your family grow up. I've seen your kids grow up. I've seen, you know, you grow up. I've grown up with you. So there's no way I was I was just going to sit on a couch and wait for the th wait for this thing to pass. There's no way. That's that's remarkable. I mean, that just speaks to like I said, it's all of these lessons we teach ourselves over the years. We we can rely on, and and I think it was remarkable because at one point during the pandemic, you actually had more clients. Yeah. Than you had before the pandemic as yes. a result of, you know, staying in the game. You were a big part of that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's it's 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 interesting, though, you know, and, and, you know, Trevor Moad, who's one of my my indirect mentors and somebody who I follow, you know, he, he says we just pay we give the past too much privilege. It's like, you know, yeah, this is happening, but it doesn't have to mean it doesn't mean that what happens next isn't going to be different and as good if, if we just stay in the game. You know, you. Right. If the quarterback throws, four, I think Russell Wilson threw four interceptions in the in the NFC Championship game against the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, and with five minutes left, he had four interceptions, four interceptions under his belt. He played the worst fifty-five minutes of football he's ever played in his life. They're down nineteen-seven. He didn't throw the towel on his head and go, "Okay, I guess this game's over." He just said, "Okay, there's another play, and there's time enough for us to score." And you know, that's all I can do. And 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 that's what I watched you do so incredibly. And you know, I think 
you know, one of the th one of the things I'll always say is, you know, when you are going through something, ask for help. It's what everybody, you know, that's come on this program that has overcome something in their life has said. And I just, I guess I just want to acknowledge and thank you for being one of the people I've been able to rely on to share this journey with. And, and thank well, you thank for, you, man. yeah, thank you for coming on today and, and sharing so many pearls of wisdom about what it takes to overcome. And, you know, I think everybody has an overcome story. You know, sometimes you don't think of yourself in the light of the addict or yeah. the alcoholic or the eating disorder or the medical diagnosis people, but it's, you know, you're, you and, and Travis Thomas and Dave, you know, these people that have come on is, you know, I call you a bit of kind of subject matter experts in the, in the field of health and wellness, but, but your own overcome story, you know, your own coming to the States, your own overcoming your injury with your ankle, your own, pushing yourself and then and then pushing other people and you know I think one of the things that is so true about you in this in this story is what you got back to was your fundamentals was I got in this business to take care of people and I don't know how I'm going to take care of people but I'm going to keep taking care of people and it's paid dividends so yeah. you know I think that's a, a great lesson for people to realize thank you thank you I mean that's yeah I, I love I love seeing and you know it's interesting I, you're you're you've been with me the longest and there was a time where, I mean, to be honest and, and to, yeah. to come clean here, I lost sleep over you many nights because I knew there was something more. I knew it. And we had conversations about this. I said, I know there's something more. And, you know, I would lose and I don't lose sleep over many things. And to see what you're doing now is is just beyond because I was always thinking in terms of there's there's more in him for his health and he can you know run and, and do all this stuff but this is far beyond man this is just the next level type stuff and dude I'm so freaking proud of you man well, I'm just so proud of you I this you know it wouldn't be me without you so so thank you for that and and thank you for taking time to to come here I've been yeah. so looking forward to sitting down with you and this is better than I could have imagined. So thank you, dude. Love yeah. you. I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, yeah, you will. <laughs> I love you, you too, I love brother. you too, man. Yep.